God's work at work. Uh, this is the first of the year, so I want to do a little reminder, set some direction for us and what the Bible is all about, what we're to do as a church. We look at Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians is a tremendous book. It gives us a lot of truth about our relationship with Christ. But in chapter 4, it gives us the work of the church, beginning in verse 11, verse 11 through uh, 16. Uh, he talks about the gifts that he gives. And I guess some of you probably wouldn't realize it, but I am a gift. What do you think? Say, preacher, you look like the kind of gift I'd get. I'm probably better than you deserve. Whoever said that amen there. <laughs> amen. I think of old Jimmy Stewart, and it's a wonderful life when he said, you look like the angel I would get. That's a good, good line. Chapter 4, verse 11, we'll begin here. It said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This passage right here is kind of, Paul is reminding the Ephesians, as he is us, that the church is a body and Christ is the head and it's got everything within it that it needs to function correctly and to do the work that God has assigned it to do. Now the work that God has assigned the church to do is take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of salvation, to the world. It begins here for us. We're a local assembly here, right? It begins here, and we take it out these doors to our community. And from within us, God may call a pastor, a missionary, or whatever from within us, and we might send them somewhere else. And then again, there might be other missionaries somewhere that we can support to take the gospel around the world. It so happens that we do support missions around the world. Uh, out of every dollar that we give, a portion of that money goes to support missionaries around the world. And I'm glad that we do that, and I, I hope you are too. Now, as we look at this text, again, I want to make sure that we understand uh, what he closes out here with. Look, look at verse 15. He said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 
Christ is the head of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the universal church in the sense of every believer that has ever believed on Christ, every believer that has been a part of Jesus from the beginning of the gospel until the rapture of the church is a part of a body in which Christ is the head. Okay? That expands outside of denominational lines and all of that, and it's inclusive, inclusive of every believer that has trusted Christ as their Savior. That's, that's true from the Bible, right? And then the Bible teaches us that churches assemble in local assemblies. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, every letter in the book talks about a group that are meeting together. If you go to the seven churches... In the book of Revelation, there are seven churches, and they are assigned, that letter is assigned to go to that local assembly somewhere. So when we think of the name church or the word church, there's the ideal of universal, all of the body of Christ. By the way, that's where the word Catholic is a, is a Latin word for church, right? You know, before it became a denomination, it was a word, Right? And before Baptists become a denomination, it was a word, right? And, and so uh, the church is universal. All those that believe and have trusted Christ included every believer from the time of Christ until the rapture. And then it also speaks to local assemblies where the church of Christ meets, right? Right? The church that belongs to Christ, the church of God, we meet together in local assemblies, right? And so that's, that's who it's written to. Now notice uh, the, the head is mentioned there in verse 15. The head, even Christ. The preacher's not the head of the church. By the way, the deacon's not the head of the church. The women's missionary director is not the head of the church. The song leader's not the head. Christ is the head of the church, right? And then the body, verse 16, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted, by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Well, guess what? You are part of the body of Christ right here at New Salem. Yes, you are. You say, preacher, does that mean I have some kind of function? Well, I would think so, wouldn't you? You are a part of the body. You may be the gizzard. No, I'm, I don't mean the gizzard, but you—you you are maybe a, a legs, arms, chest, or some other places I won't mention. But you are a part of the body of Christ. Now, when a part of the body doesn't function correctly, the whole body suffers. That's in Corinthians. We may go through that verse before we get out of January. But the church is a body that Christ is the head, and we have been assigned a work to do in our community, in our world, and we need to think about that. We just don't come here uh, to say, I went to church this week. We come to worship. We come to, to reach out to people. We come to disciple. We come to serve. We come to fellowship. We do all those things. But it's all a part of the function to reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's why we say that verse 11 through 16 
is talking about God's work and God's work working. God's work at work. And, and we don't say this every week. Maybe we should say it more often. But that's what we're all about as a church, is to get the gospel. And to get the gospel to the world, we have to have all the body parts working well. And the better the, the body works, uh, does its part, the better we get the job done. See, some folks have the idea, the misconceptions, that the preacher is the evangelist of the church. I'm just a pastor. Pastor, teacher, if you want to include both ministries of teaching and preaching together. But the body is to do this together. And if part of the body is backslidden, it's going to hinder us getting the work of God done. Has anybody here ever been backslidden? Yeah, we know about that, don't we? Been backslidden so long, don't know which way's forward and which way's backwards. Kick back. But, but when we're not where we need to be and when we're not right with the Lord, it hinders the work of the body of Christ to reach the community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're functioning correctly, we should take advantage of every method, every tool, every opportunity, and we should use it to reach the Lord Jesus Christ. We should not do anything that doesn't help the church do its job of getting the gospel to our community. So I think that rules out bingo. Amen. You, you follow me? I mean, it's good to have fellowship. It's okay to have fellowship things and do things. But our job is not to fundraise, to raise money, and, and to have a quilt sale, to have a quilt sale to, to function and to finance the church. Hey, we, we need to minister and do the work of God based on the gifts of the people of God. And I'm just saying, we can do things like that. I'm not saying you can't do things like that. But that's not the goal. That's not the end purpose. The purpose is to get the gospel to the community. Now, God gives us a plan of action. He gives us the things we need. And, and, and he gives us uh, all the parts and all that. And it's listed here in our text. If we look here... I want you to look at verse 11. Verse 11. The work of church leadership is how I've tied this. And he gave some uh, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. This is the leadership of the church. This is the, the teaching aspect of the church that God gave us so that we can do the work that God has the church to do. Pastors and teachers. When we're instructing and when we're preaching, it, it should be to help the people of God be where they need to be and do what they need to do and encouraged to do that or maybe corrected to do that. If you are a Christian and you're not living for the Lord, it's my job to preach to you and it's the Holy Spirit's job is to reach out to you and, and with, that, with that hook, that shepherd's hook, and pull you back in to the flock so that you can do the part of the body of Christ that you are part to do in the church. Now the Bible teaches the pastor, uh, chapter uh, 20 of Acts, I want to read this verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. He says this, And take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock 
over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. As pastor of the church, that is talking to me as overseer. That word bishop goes together with pastor in the New Testament. And it says, take heed to yourself. Pay attention, preacher. Pay attention, pastor. Pay attention, bishop is another term. Uh, uh, elder in that sense. You could even include that word. He said, take heed to yourself. Unto, uh, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to do what? To feed the church of God. To feed the church of God, which is purchased with his own blood. As a pastor, it's a tremendous challenge. I have a responsibility as a pastor to make sure that we're being taught, make sure we're being instructed, make sure we're being equipped, make sure we're being trained, and we should have other people alongside us helping us to get that job done, right? Aren't you excited about that? In the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, I won't go there. It's in chapter 13. Chapter 13 talks to pastors. And, and it's, it's talking to, to, to men who have been called of God to be the pastor of the church. And it gives us a straight out, a straight out warning that one day we're going to give an account. We're going to give an account to the church to how we did as a pastor. So how you live going to have something to do with my accountability. Uh, we're in this thing together, aren't we? We're in this thing together. And it's my job and responsibility as pastor is to try to help you in your worship habits. Wednesday night we, we preached in uh, Acts 16 and, and, and talked about how Paul and Silas, uh, they were praising God, living right with the Lord in a sense, and that guy got saved because of their testimony. It's the preacher's job is to preach things and teach things that encourage you to live in such a way that would draw other people to Jesus. One day we'll give an account. One day you will give an account of how you treated your pastor. Everybody's smiling now. Doing a good job. Hey, a work, the work of the church, first thing he says, we got these people to teach and train and equip us to do the work. That's the first thing he said. Notice he said in verse 12, the, the, I'll give you the why to verse 11, and that'll help you get it. He said, i got to get back to my text. Verse 11, he says, I'll read it all. He says, and he gave some... Uh, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The pastor teacher is in one category there. He said, why? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the why. Now, <clears throat> folks, we, we, got, we got a responsibility as a body of Christ. I, I want to read to you from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1 and 2, listen to this. He, he, it's a charge to the pastor, to preachers. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. You know what quick and dead means? Let me explain it to you. Quick are those that have been raised 
in, in life in Christ. We've been saved. To, who is coming to judge the saved, the quick, and the dead, the people who have not been made alive. They're still lost on their way to hell. He said, he said I'll read it again. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Notice, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. It's a challenge to preachers. It's not my job to entertain you today. It's my job to instruct, maybe encourage, maybe to correct. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, follow that. But it's not to entertain. And I'm going to tell you something. My, my preaching's never going to be centered around some funny or some nice little story that happened. My, my preaching's always going to be dead centered from the Word. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just stating your fact. Preachers should take the Word of God and use it. That's the foundation by which to teach and preach. I, I would love to go to church somewhere where they make me feel good. I'd love to go to church somewhere where they entertain me. No, that's not what you go to church for. You need to entertain yourself by worshiping God. Don't, don't wait for us to stir your crank. You need to get your own crank, amen? <laughs> but notice, he, he says, preach what? Funny stories? Preach the word. Preach the word. And, and notice the preacher's challenge. Do it when you feel good, when you feel like it, when you really got something on your heart. Does, is that when he says, Pastor... I'm going to tell you something, folks. If the only time I came to preach is when I was up on cloud nine, hey, I'd probably be in the bed this morning. You, you can't do it when you feel good, when you feel great. You have to be instant. Anybody ever had any instant coffee? It may not be good, but it's coffee, amen? You ever instant tea? Instant this? The preacher is to be instant. It shouldn't take anything to get a preacher to preach. I know before I've uh, had to be gone and I've asked people to preach for me, I can tell pretty quick whether they've been called or not. Oh, preacher, can you get somebody else? (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. It's just a sign you haven't been called. If you've been called, you ought to want to preach. He said, preach the word. And and by the way, when you don't know what to preach, preach the word. (laughs) He said, in be instant in season and out of season. Good times are bad and all the rest. He said, reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's a preaching job. Look at it again, the three words. He said, reprove. That's a gentle nudge. Rebuke, that's a hard lick. And exhort, that's encouragement. He said, with long-suffering and doctrine. Be sound in what you're preaching. The word doctrine, don't be afraid of the word doctrine. It just means teaching from the word, teaching from the Bible. He said, with long-suffering and doctrine. I'll tell you what, sometimes uh, we don't see anybody saved for a while. I get discouraged. I'll tell you what, if you want to discourage a preacher, just don't let anybody get saved for a while. It's very discouraging. 
But man, when we see something, it's good. It's good. But you have to be long-suffering. That's speaking to the preacher. It says in verse 3 of that same text, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. This old itching ear thing. Wanting to hear something special and run all over the country to hear. God will give us what we need. Amen. That's what that is saying. So, the, the, the pastor, the leadership, the teachers, and all in the church are given, verse, four, uh, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now look here. It's a pyramid, uh, it's a pyramid kind of thing, but upside down. The preacher's not up here, and the deacon's here, and the church down here. That's not the way it works. The preacher's down here, connected into the foundation. The deacons are here serving the body. It's not the other way. You know, the authority, we, I have no authority. The only authority is the Bible. I do have the responsibility to take the Bible and apply it. But the preachers to be on the bottom there and the, the deacons are to be down there helping him and the church is to be served so that you can do the work of the sheep. Amen. What's the job of sheep? Well, number one, produce more sheep. I don't want to get into an education there and tell you what that means, but sheep are to produce sheep and they're to produce wool. And if they don't make sheep and don't make wool, we have lamb chops out of them. That's the work of the church. Now, we don't need to get that in reverse. The preacher is not the hired gun. Now, I don't mind going witnessing with you or you call me up and say, Preacher, there's, I got this new neighbor. I wish you would call me. I don't mind. But all of us have a responsibility of the gospel to talk to people about Jesus, to bring them to church, invite them to Bible study, to preaching so that people can come to Christ. You bring them, we'll preach to them. Notice what he says, verse 12. Preacher's job for the perfecting of the saints. I'm looking around, I got a lot of work to do. I need encouragement. For the perfecting of the saints. You know, I'm glad that word perfect doesn't mean perfect as we think about it. That word perfect in the Bible means complete. To be finishing up the work. So, that's our, see, that's our goal. That's our outcome. Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints. Why do we do that for the perfecting of the saints? Why? For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. It's the church that is to do the work out there. Why do we do the work? Look at the last part of verse 12. He said, for the edifying, and that word edifying means the building up, the expansion, the growth of what? The body of Christ. Not only do we preach to edify you, we preach for you so that you can do the ministry so that the church would grow. That's the design, that the church might expand. Now, notice at, at the, the, one of the goals, verse 13, 
we, we keep working in verse 13 till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a complete or perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, we can look at that verse based on the, the church universal that the church were to keep building, keep preaching, keep witnessing, keep bringing people in, keep giving people the opportunity to be saved until Jesus comes. And when the last soul is saved, Jesus will come. But we can also look at that verse as the local assembly. Look at it, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We're to preach in such a way that we learn how to get along. You know, people that uh, are not saved, they have not the Spirit of Christ. They don't have the Holy Spirit, right? But the Holy Spirit is the teacher in us that teaches us how to get along. And, And the instruction of the Bible is to instruct us so that we learn how to be in unity. Do you realize to be in unity doesn't mean uniformity? It doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything. My goodness, if we had to agree on everything, I'd be divorced. More than once, I'm sure. You know, I understand how to be a happy husband. Shut your mouth and say, yes, ma'am. But there's every now and then I want my way. When I think I'm right, sometimes. I'm still teaching how to get along with a wife. But unity doesn't mean uniformity, that we all have to agree on something. I, I, I've, been, uh, I've been warned, I've been warned, preacher, so-and-so doesn't believe in the pre-trib rapture of the church. They believe in the mid-trib rapture of the church. And don't bother me a bit what you believe about that. <laughs> I'll know you'll get figured out. Hey, when you get taken up and not left out, you'll agree with me then, amen? <laughs> hey, listen, we don't have to agree on those things. There's, there's a few foundational truths. The deity of Christ, amen? Got to be in agreement on that. There's no way that you can think that Jesus is not the Son of God. You can't even be saved without believing that. There's certain basic things the, the Bible teaches that are clear. You know Christians agree on about 98% of the Bible. It's 2% that gives us a fit. Why do we want to argue over the 2% when we get along about 98%? Well, amen, anyway. Till we come to unity of the faith. Now, it doesn't mean that we all have to be alike. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons I've never seen the need to change the name of our church to Cowboy Church. Because we got enough cowboys already, amen? Thank God. No, I'd like to have a few more cowboys. But I don't want to be identified as some... I want to be identified as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where everybody's welcome, everybody is included. Amen? And, and, and we, we need to be as open as we can be without so open our brains fall out. Right? So we come into unity of the faith. So we can work together, so we can fellowship together, so we can love Jesus together, so that we can love lost people together. Basic things we need to agree on, Right? And then that we would grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's our goal. 
that we might grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A church should always be teaching. That's why we have the basic group that I'm doing right now, trying to help young believers get the basics down. After the basics, you get the milk of the word, you need the meat of the word, you need the manna of the word. There's never come a time that you don't need to be taught. Now, when you get to be a retirement age, that don't mean you can stay home. You need to keep coming to Bible study and preaching, Sunday night service, and by the way, Wednesday night also, because we need instruction. So that, so that we can know more. Folks, don't underestimate. There's more to Christ to know. We might know more, and that we might grow more into completion, and that the body might grow to the fullness of Christ. Now, look at what it goes on to say, the, the why, verse 14. He says, that we henceforth, the outcome rather, be no more children, let's stop right there, John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, basically, it's all through 1 John, that when we get saved, we are known as little children. And when we get done as a Christian, we should be mature adults. And he says fathers. He uses the masculine fathers. Why? Because fathers are supposed to reproduce, right? So we start as a Christian as a child, and we should grow up to maturity. And then the big portion of 1 John teaches us is the youth age. The youth age. So I want to ask you a question today. If we were to measure your spiritual maturity, are you a baby? Change my diaper, preacher. Give me some more milk. Give me another bobby. Are we little preschoolers? Well, we have to watch, hey, style that road, style that stuff, do this, do that. Are we children going to school, growing and, and starting to learn the basics? Are we adolescent? Now, adolescent, you start getting to the age where you can win other people to Christ. Or are we mature Christians? What stage are you at? I love to see a little baby take milk, don't you? And when I hear a certain noise, Nina gets him, or her. Don't take care of the rest of the problem here. Papa will be back when the smell's gone. Right? You know, it's just natural for a baby to do things like that. Eat, and what else goes with it? But you know what? You don't want to do that when you're 30 years old, do you? Remember, remember we had baby Bubba here? How many of you remember baby Bubba? Oh, baby Bubba had his diaper on. He weighed about 400 pounds, and he got up, and we did that skit. I never will get over that stuff. Baby Bubba had his diaper on and had his big old cow bottle, you know. He represented a person that should have been full grown, but he's still on milk. As a Christian, we should grow through the milk of the word to the place that we Get on the manna of the word and the meat of the word. So the why, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. 
What's the problem with children? They're tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and by cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you this. Listen to me. Before you become a Christian, you were an innocent standby. But when you became a Christian, there became a target on your back, and Satan has an arrow pointed right towards you. He'd like to stop you because you're dangerous. Did you know every time we lead someone to Christ, we give the devil a black eye? I mean, he hates it. We destroy part of his work when we win someone to Jesus. But when you become a Christian, if you get saved, you become an enemy of, the, of Satan in such a way that he wants to, notice what he wants to Toss you about to and fro by, and carry you about by every wind of doctrine. He wants to use men to slight you with cunning craftiness. And they lie in wait to deceive you. Well, we're to teach, instruct, and grow. Apply. When you eat, you should exercise, work, and you grow thereby, right? That's the job. That's the goal. That's what we should do. Amen? Preacher has to put the food on the table, and we have to come eat. But let me tell you something. You can't only eat once a week and be healthy. If, if you ate one time a week, you would not be healthy. You, you should not just eat three times a week. You should learn to daily partake of God's word. And then the Bible teaches us if we do these things, 1 Peter chapter 5 says that we'll be established, established in the faith. Now, the how-to, verse 15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Here, here's, here's what's happening to you. You, you, you. you probably don't think about this often. But the truth is, you're going to live your life and stand before Jesus one day. Now, the lost will stand at the great white throne judgment. The Christian stands at the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10. The judgment seat of Christ. When the church is raptured, we go, my belief, we go immediately to the judgment seat of Christ. Which is somewhere out there. A door is open and we're taken up. Hey, I'm leaving. How about you? Anybody want to preach when I'm gone? Anybody? You can do the rest of it too. Hey, when the rapture comes, we're gone. We're taken up. We go to the judgment seat of Christ. Then we go to the awards banquet. The, the supper of the Lamb, right? Right? Yep. The lost go to the great white throne judgment. Now, don't want to get divisive about this, but the, the people that are uh, saved out of tribulation, they go to the great white throne also. Right? We've already been judged. We may be in attendance to watch it. I don't know. But we're not going to be judged at the great white throne. 
If you're saved, you're not going to be judging great white throne. But the tribulation and all the people that are lost will be at the great white throne. And they will be judged. Some, most to hell. Tribulation saints, go up and be with us. We stand before God one day. We need to be reminded of that, that one day we'll give an answer. The Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be rewarded or we will have regrets. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 on through 15. One day we'll answer. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, I'm hoping I'm speaking the truth. I know I'm speaking the truth, but I hope I'm doing it in love, that you might grow up unto Jesus in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Our goal is that one day when we meet the Lord, when we hit death, that we're a finished product, ready to be presented to Christ. You say, preacher, God's still working on me. He is me too. He is me too. Now, John 8, won't go there. Verse 31 and 32 is the goal of that verse is for us to be a disciple of Christ and for us to learn the truth and to know the truth that, that sets us free and enables us to live the Christian life effectively. I want to I wanna look to look with you at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. I want to read this verse for us right here, right now. He said, For this cause, Paul said, I, uh, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul's saying there in that, truth. He said, we preach to you the word of God. And the preacher needs to preach the word of God. The teacher needs to teach the word of God. He said, not the word of men. He said, and you believed it not as the word of men, but you believed it as the word of God. It's very important the attitude you have when you come to hear a preacher preach. Now, I am not saying to you that you ought to be a, a, a zombie that just takes everything you hear and, and yes, sir, get in line. We're going to go build us a, a commune somewhere and, and, and separate ourselves from the world and it's going to be uh, Chief Jerome Gaines is our Commodore, our man. No, that's not what it's talking about. But you should go with an open mind and a believing heart. And you should search the scriptures daily to see if what we're saying is true. I want to challenge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to listen with a believing heart, with an open mind to truth, and then go search the scripture and see if the scripture will back up what you've been taught. See, there's a trick in that if you don't get it. There's a trick. Any old way we can get you in the Bible is the way to get you in the Bible. And if you'll ever start partaking of the Bible the way Christians do, it'll change your life. You know what I know? What the problem is on many Christians. They're living on what they hear at the church when I'm preaching. And when they're hearing that, they're not hearing it as a word of God. They're hearing it as a word of man. 
Now I'm telling you something. You need to, you need to really seriously hear what First Thessalonians 2.13 says about you and your relationship to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. You don't need to take it. It's just another opinion. And I could usually when I'm giving my opinion, I'll tell you, hey, opinion. But there's a lot that I'm preaching. I hope most of what I'm... It's not my thought. It's what God said. Now look at that again. Verse 13. For this cause, Paul says, Also thank we God without ceasing. He said, we're so grateful because when you receive the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. If you come to preaching just thinking, well, that's just his old opinion. I've got one just as good as he is. That's not your attitude that you have if you're going to be a growing Christian. You need to go to church, to your church, and you need to go and, and forget the guy that's preaching and just hear the word of God. Don't say, well, I don't think his tie looks good or he looks better with a tie. It's, you're, you're not... We're not here for that stuff. We're here to hear the word. Amen. And we're to hear it as it is the word of God. He said, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. See, that's, that's, why, that's why so many of you, you, you make no change in your life when you come to preaching. Because you just said, well, that's, you know, yeah, I've, read, I've heard that all my life. Yeah, I, I, yeah that, that's what he thinks. He's no fogey. I'm not old. Quit insulting me. Oh, yeah, but not an old folks. Hey, they came and they heard the preaching as if it is the word of God. So, you know, if you come and you hear and you go about your business status quo, just like it was last week, it it had no the word did not lodge in your heart. You remember the the, 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 the teaching that Jesus gave us about the word. It, he talked about the sower sowing the seed. And there's full. And remember that old bird that come along and snatched the seed out of the heart? Satan is that old black bird. You come to preaching. And it's just kind of sitting on the top of your heart. And you know, I, I heard it. But yeah. No blackbird comes along, spiritual blackbird. He comes along, pulls that seed right out of you, and you go on about them. But when you receive it as it is, the word of God, and digest it. A lot of people I've heard, and they have all the formality of being a believer, but they are not yet a believer. Did you, did you, own, did you get that? There's people that can go for 40 or 50 years looking like they have the real thing and they have it in their throat but they've never swallowed yet. We need to get Jesus all the way in. Be a partaker and a swallower. He said... You receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It does not effectually work in you if you don't swallow. Okay. I give. Take it, swallow it, or leave it. The process will finish in verse 16. He says this. 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the building up or the edifying of itself in love. We should be known by love, right? We should be known by love. We should not be known by what we're against, but by our love. It's not our place to be judging people, right? It's not our place to be condemning. It's our place to be loving people. And the remedy for the problem that we see in the people's life is prayer and the Word of God. Right? And time. Time. Long-suffering. He said, from whom the whole body, we're the body, fitly joined together. Are you fitly joined or are you just kind of hanging out? You need to be fitly joined together. In other words, be a part of the solutions, a part of the ministry, a part of the ongoing work of the body of Christ. Thank God for those many of you who are. He said, by whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Man, that's cramming it all in there, isn't it? We don't need to live our Christian life with a standoff attitude towards the other part of the body of Christ, right? We need to be fit in. We need to accept. We need to be a part of. We don't need to be the oddball out. We don't need to be the stranger, although some of you are strange. He says that we be fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplies. We got some loose spots in our church. We need to fill those things. We need to fill them, don't we? We need to fill those loose spots. He says, every joint supplieth according to the effectual work of the measure of every part. Folks, we need you. We need you to be on board. We need you to be wholeheartedly in. We don't need you to be anybody you're not. We don't need you to be everything I want you to be. We need you to be in board. On board, in board, active, involved. Whatever that means for you personally, you need to make that surrender to God. And what happens? He says, if every part gets together and does that thing, we make increase of the body unto the edifying of itself then people are saved. People are reached. People are touched. People are changed. God is glorified if we come together, work together. That's the challenge that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to bow our heads, quietly stand our feet. I want to challenge you to fit into the puzzle wherever you belong. Be a part of the unit, a part of the function. That the body might produce and grow and edify itself. Lord, I come before you today. I thank you for each one that's here. Lord, it's not a mistake that they're here. Lord, they're here on purpose. You're speaking to them. 
Lord, there's here people today that, that need to surrender to serve you in some way. There's someone here today that needs to give their heart to Christ and be saved. There's someone here today that needs to follow you in believer's baptism to be obedient to your will and your plan. I don't know where everybody is, but you do. And Lord, I pray that we would say yes to Jesus today and whatever those needs are. We ask your blessing on this invitation that these altars are open, that they would be used by your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads. Would you come today? Would you come? Anyone? All right, let's have our ushers come.